to the Queen of the Court podcast, your place for chats on all things growth, healing, and thriving through everyday parenting. I'm your host, Courtney Walker-Owens. I'm a homeschooling mom of seven, wellness advocate, self-proclaimed strengths genius, and an author. I am here to inspire and empower you into a lifestyle of elevated living and passionate growth. Because while I may not be good at a lot of things, I am the queen of these things. Are you ready to dive in? Grab your coffee or mix up a smoothie and let's get started. This is the Queen of the Court podcast. So happy to have you here. We are kicking off episode three. We're going to call this How I Actually Homeschool Seven Kids. So today is going to serve as sort of a part two from last week's episode, which was titled Why We Homeschool. You'll probably start to see a pattern over the next few episodes. So I always, always, always begin with purpose. I rarely do anything just because. Now, I do often do things because it feels right or vice versa. I maybe don't do things because it just doesn't feel right. And when I feel that halt in my gut or uh, in the churchy world growing up, we would have said, I get a check in my spirit. You know, that's my cue, though. Feeling that gut feeling is my cue to dig in and dive deep into what and why. And so sometimes that might trigger. Um, But other than that gut or spirit feeling that can trigger me into the action, I always do things with intention. You know, I love freedom and I love flexibility, but I don't love aimlessness. And part of that might just be me and part of it is something I just truly believe is important to have purpose and intention and, and direction. But homeschooling is no different. So you learned about our why. We homeschool because it's the best fit for our individual kids and the educational needs that they have right now. We homeschool because we didn't agree with COVID protocols. We homeschool because for this year, with the ages and stages that our kids are in right now, It is logistically, mentally, and emotionally just the best thing for our family unit. If you want more, maybe you want to hear the whole story, you can check out last week's episode. This week, though, I want to share a few tips, tricks, and some systems that have really, really helped us to be able to homeschool all of our kiddos this past year. Now, I won't share everything that I did. I want to really give you three things that I found to be super important to us. And I'm only going to share the things that worked really well and that we will continue to do moving forward into the next coming school year. First thing is we schedule. We schedule everything. Personally, I like time blocking the best. Uh, As someone with high maximizer and strategy strengths, I feel like it really makes the best use of our time. 
And it takes something that's already awesome, which is a daily routine, and it makes it something incredibly exceptional. So I set up our routine in a couple of ways. The first thing I do every time is I set up the non-negotiables. I grab my notebook and I start scratching out our daily guide posts. And I plug in ample time for important things to me, like my morning routine, um, you know, blocking off time for, for exercise for myself, for devotional time, for getting my mental health as a priority. Um, if you need more on what I'm talking about when I say setting up our daily guideposts, head back to podcast episode number one, and I go into that a little deeper. But once I know what our non-negotiables are and I set those guideposts in place, after that, on a separate sheet of paper, I do a big brain dump of all the things, all the things floating around up in my brain that I really want to see fit into the openings of our day. So I just write everything down, things that seem ridiculous, things that I know are important, things that I know maybe they won't fit, but what if they did? So then I go through that big list. Okay, I've got a giant list, likely is so messy and makes no sense to anyone but me. And I organize it. I break it down into three columns. So I break it down into core, meaning core subjects. Um, in the state of Missouri where we live, our, we have to report hours for homeschooling. And those are broken up into core subjects, non-core subjects. So for us, um, core subjects would be math, history, uh, language, arts, and science. And non-core is literally anything else. <laughs> so we try and squeeze in as much core work as possible into our homeschooling. Um, but I break down our big list of things that I'm trying to fit in into core, non-core, and other. Uh, so sometimes then beyond that, if it's still a really big list, I'll go through and I'll just highlight the most important things. But now I know what has to fit. Okay, and if you are not an organized scheduling kind of person, that's why I'm going through the, the actual steps that I make here because I know that sometimes that's helpful for you guys. So once I know what has to fit, I know what core things I'm wanting to pull in, I know what non-core things, and I know um, what are just random, like chores or, you know, baseball or having downtime as a family, right? Like that's not a school thing, but it still has to be fit in there. So after this, I have my three columns. I assign time estimates. Now, these are estimates, guys. I like to do it in half hours and full hours so that as I'm pairing things together into our time blocks, um, I know what fits be together best. I just, I know, okay, these, this is a half hour, this is a half hour. They kind of go together. Let's plug that in and let's do these things in this big block. So personally, I like to do this whole process on paper and I do it like a movable spreadsheet. Eventually, I do get really weird, and it's a very thorough spreadsheet. Um, it's a whole thing, and that's for another day. That's that's a whole thing. <laughs> but I've got all these times written on little slips of paper on the left, and then I have all my items on slips of paper on the right, broken down into these, these time blocks. And I put the non-negotiables in first, put those guideposts in, and then I start to play with each item and where it might fit best. 
So for me, I prefer to keep them in bigger blocks of school, work, free time, chores. But also then I might have a half hour in between two hours of school and two hours of my work time and I can mark that as mom time and I can squeeze in an afternoon walk or a coffee break or something like that that just gives a little downtime. And I like to do that for the kids too. Nobody needs to be just working. That's, you know, the whole point of coming home and being at home is, is having a different life, a different schedule. So enough on this. It's a whole process, but there's no way that I can function and squeeze in everything that I have to do without this structure, without these guideposts, without this framework. So that's the first thing is we schedule everything. The second thing I do is I group kids together for as much as possible. Okay, for an example, last year we had all of our elementary and middle school kids do science together. The older kids helped the younger kids on harder things. We paired off into groups for projects. We had little kids watch a PBS episode on something while the older kids read a book about the same topic. That way, I set aside an hour for science time and not four individual half-hour time slots to do separate things. We learned way more together than we ever could have individually, and we did it more in units where all four of those elementary and middle school kids had the same focus. And so it really helped us to streamline our homeschooling by grouping kids together. Uh, we do that for math when kids are close uh, to the same level. We've done it for English. I did that this last year for a couple kiddos. Anywhere where I've got kids who can work together, we do. So my third tip um, I have so many bins and boxes, <laughs> but full of fun school stuff. And kind of how I mentioned before, you know, I don't want my kids just sitting at a desk all day. If I wanted them to do that, we would be in public school. I want my kids with hands-on learning, doing fun things, doing things that light them up, that work for them, that help them retain the information that is going to help them in life. And so I reserve these bins and boxes of fun school stuff for hard days. I know it's hard to believe, but some days the kids are not in the mood for school time. Some days I'm not in the mood for school time. So maybe there's a busy week that we have stuff going on. Maybe there's a BOGO week for my business or we had a late night at baseball the night before or heaven forbid we have one of our random uh, times where we actually get sick. It's not often, but sometimes it happens. That's when I get out the cool boxes. Puzzles and crafts, math games, hot dots, science experiments that aren't messy, color by numbers, uh, historical paper dolls, anything out of the ordinary that maybe feels a little more like play, but that also fits into our lessons in some way. I actually have my little boys do an hour of fun math every single day. So Legos or blocks or dice games, that type of stuff just to keep learning fun and fresh. And we've also had the same concept with our preschoolers who've been at home for years. I have these printable preschool packs that I've laminated, and I use them for our preschoolers over and over and over for the last 10 years, over a wide range of topics too. So we have Star Wars, Batman, farm animals, the beach. Uh, there's a whole fall pack, a winter pack with snowmans, and the list goes on and on. I can drop some links to some really great pre-K content creators in the show notes. 
Um, but we have things like dry erase books and sticker books and finger puppets all in this preschool cabinet where they can reach their own school stuff and feel apart when the big kids are doing school or truly, guys, just to keep them busy while I work some days. Even when we weren't homeschooling, I used this for my younger kids. And so I think having these outside-of-the-box <laughs> things that are actually in a box, but you get what I, I'm talking about here. Having these things that aren't just a workbook. Having these things that they know they have access to and can take charge of their own education in some way. It's a very cool thing. It gives them this independence. It gives them this uh, sense of ownership, of picking the thing they want to learn at that time. And, you know, sometimes I just rotate the items, especially with little kids. I'll rotate the items in their preschool cabinet or bring out something new every once in a while. But uh, that just keeps it fresh and and keeps it exciting. We do that with toys. We did it when our kids were little. We would uh, keep some toys in the garage and we'd every once in a while just kind of do a little rotation. Kids will go to bed. We'd pack away the trains. We'd get out the race cars or we'd get out the giant stuffed animals that everybody hates. You know, <laughs> every mom hates, I should say. So I also have one last little tip for you. And I know I said I'd do three, but I did four. It's not 1999 anymore, okay? We have the internet, we have YouTube, we have Google, we have Disney Plus. Mamas, use the resources that we have. And this is not just for homeschoolers. I've said that enough, but you might just be trying to survive summer right now. Use what you have. This past year, I had a couple kids who always finished their schoolwork too early. And I knew if I told them they could be done for the day, they'd just hop on screens anyway. So I went with it. I started letting them. If they had finished their work before the other kids, I'd give them assignment. Hey, go to your Kindle, uh, get onto the National Geographic Kids website, and I want you to find out something interesting about penguins, and then write down five facts on this dry erase board. Right? They don't need to be on paper. They didn't have to do a worksheet. They're learning. They're figuring out how to research things. They're drawing a picture of a penguin next to these cool three facts they learned or whatever. Maybe then, if they were still done and nobody else was, I'd send them into the family room to watch a penguin documentary on Disney Plus with a preschooler. And can you believe it? Then I maybe found this really cool book on penguins that the seven-year-old could read at bedtime, and we just did a spur-of-the-moment penguin science unit. So there's a lot of stuff that can be done with the resources that we have in this day and age. And I think we should use them. I think there's no reason we can't read a book and then watch the movie and help our kids learn about the differences between the book and the movie. And we can note out the things that, that we liked better about the book. And we can, you know, we read Babe the Gallant Pig this last year, and then we watched Babe. We read Charlotte's Web as a read-aloud, and then we watched the cartoon version and the live action version and we compared and contrasted. That's learning. That's what, that is a skill that they will need for the rest of life. School should be fun. If you are trying to homeschool and make it like regular school, stop. There's no need. Outside of maintaining our schedule, we are so laid back, guys. And if you listen to podcast episode one, you know that I don't follow the schedule perfectly every day. It's a framework. It's the goal. Some days we meet it, other days we don't, and that's the whole point. So I hope these tips and tricks were helpful 
for the mamas out there who are homeschooling or maybe you're thinking of homeschooling or maybe you're just surviving summer or wanting to keep your preschoolers busy or maybe you're just curious about our life. I love homeschooling my kids. I have loved getting this extra time with them at this phase of our life. You know, this is a little tangent, but we only have three school years left before our oldest two graduate. Three years. Time is feeling really, really precious these days. And back when my babies were little, I remember a mom mentor of mine telling me, don't wish for the next season. Enjoy everything about the season your kids are in right now. And then she said the ever famous, the days are long, but the years are short. And until the last couple of years of mothering, I don't think I really understood that. But now, now I know exactly what she meant. I get it. My older kids are growing up. My little kids are not babies anymore. That phase of my life lasted for years. (laughs) It was so long, guys. Oh, it lasted forever. We were in the baby stage for what felt like an eternity. But then suddenly, one day, it was just over. Suddenly, the trenches didn't feel so deep. I now think back to the baby days longingly. I mean, not longingly enough to have a number eight, (laughs) but they were such good years. So much life and love was crammed into those first 13 years of parenting. So much, all at once. So much that I didn't see it until I was out of it. And now I am incredibly aware of the reality of time these days. And I have no intention of rushing the next few years while we are still all under one roof together. So we homeschool. And we go on field trips. And we'll continue to do all those things. We will cheer for our siblings at baseball games and gymnastics meets and dance recitals. We'll all show up. We'll have game nights together and keep our traditions alive of our New Year's Eve countdowns and the Valentine's Day scavenger hunt I've done since they were babies. We'll keep doing those things, family dinners and movie nights and game nights because us mamas who say it, We don't lie when we tell you younger mamas out there that the days are long and the years are short. So that's all for today. (laughs) Join me next week for a super fun episode. I'm actually going to be co-hosting with my husband, Michael. We're going to tell you a little bit about our journey as a family, mainly our journey toward a toxin-free natural lifestyle. We have some stories to tell. And you'll get to hear us together, which is always fun and probably a little entertaining. Make sure you share, leave a review, and hit that subscribe button to give us the best start possible in the podcast platform that you are listening from. Once again, thank you for your support. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next week on the Queen of the Court podcast.